Our message today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. Hear these words. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him, keeping their distance. They called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, David. You know, it's funny. The Bible is one of these great books where you read things and you read them and everything's something always new. Um, I just caught something. I've read this passage a number of times. It says that they kept their distance. And I was like, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> you know, the lepers, they were like originally all about social distancing and they made it really popular. And now we're just catching on to what they did. Anyways, today we're talking about three kinds of healing, and we are sitting with this passage um, from the Gospel of Luke. And Luke, we will do well to remember, is in the New Testament. It falls in the tradition of the synoptics, which means same. Matthew, Mark, Luke. John stands alone by itself, and Luke uh, is the first half of a two-parter. It's followed up by the book of Acts. And we know that Luke, through its complication of grammar and its structure was uh, written by um, a guy who was probably a physician. So this guy uh, knows what he's talking about in his day and age, and uh, he comes upon this particular passage that is unique to Luke. Can't find it in the other Gospels, and here it is as he's talking about the lepers. Uh, this, uh, This place that Jesus is going to is a geographical area called Samaria. Those of you who like geography know that this is sort of between two very important areas in Jesus' travels. Galilee is up here, Samaria is here, and Jerusalem's down here. And Samaria was full of Samaritans, these people who were sort of, for lack of a better term, and it is a little derogatory, half-breeds, because that's how the Jews saw them, right? As Jews uh, lived in this area, as God's chosen Hebrew people lived in this area, occasionally they would intermesh, right? with uh, the local guys and gals, and then that would be enough to sort of set them apart in their community. And so the Samaritans are a community that is sort of other than. The Jews worship at the temple, and the Samaritans don't, right? They worship somewhere else. You can actually uh, go visit Samaria today. There are still Samaritans worshiping on the top of their mountain, and uh, they still abide by all of the Old Testament laws. It's a very unique place in the world, and it was certainly a unique place in Jesus' time and day. Jesus encounters uh, these lepers, and leprosy was this uh, skin disease. It's debated. Of course it is. Uh, Kind of like what sort of skin disease it is or was. Uh, Leprosy still exists today. It's a little more defined in our medical uh, dictionaries and professions. But in this time of day, if you had a really bad skin disease or a rash or a cut and it was oozing, it was seen primarily as infectious. And so as a way to ward off uh, contaminating the rest of the community, they would send you to a leper colony or they would just kick you out of the city. And occasionally these lepers would join together in their um, excommunication 
and develop sort of leper communities where they would live until they were healed of their ailment, which sometimes uh, would just take time. In other instances, there had to be some sort of um, intercession on their behalf. And there were laws in the Old Testament to sort of re-engage the lepers. If you believed that your leprosy had been abated and healed, you would have to go to the priest and say, can you clear me for worship? Right? That's the same as, I guess, getting your head scanned when you go into, like, uh, your doctor. Right? Can you clear me? And so they would go to the priest and say, am I good? And so in our story, right, there are ten lepers. And they are all healed. And Jesus says, go see the priest, which makes sense, right? Because they need to be cleared by the priest to be readmitted into society. Their COVID test is going to come back negative. And so they have to come back in, right? They have to go see the priest. What I find so fascinating about this passage is that there were how many lepers? Ten. And how many say, thanks, Jesus? One. What do the other nine do? It's, it's just an interesting piece of the puzzle. I wish I could sort of pull them aside and examine their heart and say, tell me what it's like to be healed. And they might say, well, it's great. I love it. And I say, well, who did it? And they might be like, well, I don't know. <laughs> or, you know, it's just interesting. One of them knows. And they come back and they say, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. And then Jesus says, your faith has made you well. We're going to get into that here in a little bit, what that uh, term encapsulates, what it sort of means, because it's sort of tricky. But there are sort of three ways to look at healing, I think, in this day and age. There's three ways that I want to um, kind of talk about to give you some language around as you engage folks um, in the coming weeks. No doubt you've seen the news and COVID cases are on the rise, and we're going to have to be dealing with uh, this pandemic for a while. And so what does it mean to ask for healing? What does it mean to ask for physical healing from a disease? These lepers certainly knew what that was like. What does it mean to ask for healing for emotional distress and other sorts of healing that needs to happen? We're going to talk a little bit about that today. But I want to talk about three ways that God heals. Three ways. The first is the miracle. Right? This is the grand slam out of the ballpark. Hail Mary, it's gone, it's out of here. No one saw it coming and it happened. The miracle. That's the first. Sadly, this side of the eschaton, it's the most rare, right? It's like we don't encounter that a whole lot. When you do, it leaves you sort of at a loss for words. Sort of go, I don't know. I guess they're healed. That's it. That's the miracle. The second one is that we pray for healing through doctors, through counseling, through medicine, through our current practices, all those things. The second sort of healing that God brings. And the third, if you're taking notes, is the wholeness that God brings over time as God reconciles all of creation back to God's self. All right, I'll say those three again, just so we can, that's the framework we're working with today. The first one is the, the miracle, the out-of-the-ballpark home run. The second one is through healing through medicine and doctors and nurses and hospitals. And the third is the wholeness that God brings 
over time. So I want to sit with this first one for a second, the, the miracle here. And I'm going to tell a story, and I'll do my best to keep everyone anonymous, which I'm really, really bad at. Um, so this was a story, this is a true story. Um, I have uh, people who were with me on this, and this was, uh, I think, a year and a half-ish ago. Anthony went with me on this hospital visit. We went to go see a parishioner here in this congregation, and we went into the, uh, the hospital. We, we parked, you know, you pay your crazy amount of funds that you're paying in Houston, and we went in to go see the parishioner. And uh, the, the nurse and the, the family were there, and they said, look, the, the patient, they've been just non-communicative for like three days. I don't know, really, you're not going to get a whole lot out of them. You're not going to be able to talk to them. They're not going to be able to say anything. They're not, you, I'm sorry you drove all this way. So I said, well, uh, maybe we can just pray. Um, so we, you know, gathered around, and I held their hand, and we prayed. And uh, I don't remember what I said. I just, I said, I said the prayer that, you know, you know the prayer that pastors pray, right? So I said the prayer, I said the prayer that pastors pray, and I just said the prayer. And then I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. And as soon as I said amen, their eyes opened up, they identified me by name, and they began a conversation. And their parents, and the, you know, their family, their, their friends were like, what just happened? And I said, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like, that was the out-of-the-ballpark miracle. Friends, I've been a, a Christian. I grew up in a Christian home. I've been a Christian all my life. I'm 35 years old, and that's only happened to me once. And I've said those prayers before at countless bedsides, and it's only happened once. But that's the out-of-the-ballpark miracle. And I believe we serve a God who is powerful enough and still works miracles today. And that is amazing, beautiful stuff. I hear stories from my friends who are pastors who have a parishioner who's struggling with this, or a parishioner who's addicted to this, or a parishioner who can't get over this hurt or pain in their life, or whatever it might be. And then before they know it, truly, God works a miracle, and they are relieved of it. And there is no explanation. The ten lepers, one is just, maybe sees the glimpse of it, right? And they come back to Jesus and say, it is a miracle what you have done. The other nine are healed, and it's still a miracle and beautiful. But this leaves a tension for me. Uh, and I'm, I'm seeing it in some of you. I know it leaves a tension for you, because I've, I've been there. Because I've prayed that same stupid prayer, and they were not healed. Right? So that brings me to this point, over here. Sometimes I've gone to the room where the patient was completely incapable of talking back and they were incapacitated and they were in a coma or they, were, they didn't know what was going to happen to them. And I prayed the prayer and there was no healing, which left me sort of in this middle ground saying like, oh, did I say the prayer wrong? Did I do the wrong thing? Did I, did I not shake the hand the right way? I, I, didn't, I don't know. Like, why was there not healing instantaneously? Why was there not this miracle that I prayed for? And it's because healing takes time, sometimes. It takes time. And so I sort of sit at the feet and I say, God, you are the great physician. All healing, all healing comes from you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would work through medicine. I pray that you would work through counselors. 
I pray that you would work through our hospitals, our doctors and our nurses, our mental health professionals, whoever it is that brings healing. Lord, work through them. And may they be the instruments of your healing in people's lives. And you and I know this firsthand. This is not a crazy prayer to pray because this is the job of the church. We are to be the hands and the feet of Christ in a community that needs healing. This is the work that we do as the people of God. So this should really be our default position, should it not? This should be comfortable waters that we swim in. We pray for healing, and then we work the process that God is working through us as we trust the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. So that's that, that second space that we live in. And that last one's hard to talk about. Because I've sat in this space where I've prayed for healing. I've prayed for God to remove afflictions from people's lives. And I have not seen progress. Which I need to tell you as a pastor does not mean progress is not happening. It just means I can't see it sometimes. But I have faith that God is still working. That God is still good and that God is bringing wholeness. Because God sees things at a different level than I do. Right? I am a, a human. I am a, a, a middle-class male, so I only see things through my middle-class maleness. I am a, a third-dimensional creature walking around in a space-time continuum that I can only navigate in certain ways. And who is God? God is so much bigger than any of us can comprehend together. And we confess and believe and profess that God is good and that God loves us, that God suffers alongside us, and God is patient with us and encouraging us. If we know that to be true about God, then this next step, is merely a step of faith. And that is that God brings wholeness and healing. Our New Testament writers understand this, right? When Jesus says, go, your faith has made you well, this word for well and faith, this, this statement really is, go, you have been made whole. You have been made whole. It's this idea that healing is more than just like Oh no, I cut my finger. God, please bring healing to my finger. It's no, God is bringing wholeness. It's a, a realignment of our reality, that we are no longer just seeing the things of this world, but we are seeing all of the cosmos being brought under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And when we understand that perspective or begin to see a glimpse of that, then we can understand that God does bring wholeness to his creation. If you want to know a little bit more about this third point, uh, this is my teaser trailer for next week, is you should come next week because we're going to talk about the other side of heaven and wholeness and what does it look like based off what we know from the Bible. I'm encouraged to preach about that next week. So lastly, I want to share why in the world would we want to preach on this. I shared a little bit about this this morning. I think the first is uh, that it's extremely applicable um, if you do not yet know someone who has passed away, you will. Uh, and if you have not had a chance to sort of uh, comfort them or come alongside them or be with them, 
as life has gone sideways on them, that is something that the church does. And those of you who've experienced personal loss over time know that those become opportunities for you to engage with other people in compassionate and meaningful ways that bring about healing on this side. And so I think that a sermon series on healing, which um, is not you know, super popular, it's much more popular to talk about 10 ways to grow your portfolio or whatever it could be, but a sermon series on healing is deeply applicable for our lives. I think we need to understand that God does work miracles, that God works healing through doctors and nurses and counselors and everyone in between, and that God is making all things whole again. That'll help us as a community of faith. So there are lots of ways that we as people need healing. We need uh, physical healing. Some of us need mental healing, and others of us still need spiritual healing. All of us are under an extreme amount of stress and strain in this time of social distancing and quarantining and pandemic. No one in this room has lived through anything like this. The last time it happened was a long time ago. And many of us are under spiritual strain. Some of you have been wounded by uh, past clergy members. Some of you have been wounded by current clergy members. Some of you have been wounded by the church, by programs, and you need healing. And this is an opportunity to have those discussions about healing. My prayer going forward is that you take the time that you need to heal. As you heard Anthony talk about in his children's moment, healing takes time. I've had a number of major surgeries in my life, and when I was in college, I had um, jaw surgery. I had a complex interior crossbite with an open bite. That's fancy talk for only seven of my teeth touched. And so they had to literally break my jaw, elongate one side, and uh, wire me shut right for eight weeks. And I was uh, shocked to discover all sorts of things about my body <laughs> during that time. You have a major nerve that runs through your entire jaw, which shows, that's how you eat, by the way. I don't think you know this. There's a, this shows you the proximity of your hand to your face. And so when you have jaw surgery, that nerve goes through shock, and it doesn't work anymore. And so I was trying to shave, and I grabbed my razor, and I would do this, which is a strange out-of-body experience, right? Or you take a, a cup of water, and you, like, you just dump it on your chest because you can't figure out where your hand is <laughs> in relation to your face. So you have to like, touch your temple to like, shave your body. Um, I've gotten over those afflictions. I promise you I can shave my face now and drink without any problem. All that to say is healing takes time. If it's true for us physically, how much more true for us is it mentally and emotionally and spiritually that healing takes time? And so my prayer for us is that we take the time that we need to heal from the wounds that we have. So may you have some helpful, helpful words and language around this, and may God grant us all healing and time. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen.